Welcome to this week's Energy Show. There's a lot of excitement about batteries. We're driving battery cars. There's batteries that are going into the utility grid, to homes, for storage. But there's also a lot of potential for something else called fuel cells. Fuel cells are kind of similar in terms of their capabilities. They can store energy in some way and they can deliver the energy on demand. So it's easy to talk about fuel cells for cars because that's probably going to be the first big market for them. We've got lots of battery cars on the road, but for, heck, the last 25 years or so, and and even a little bit before, fuel cell cars where basically instead of an engine, you've got a fuel cell that generates electricity. They've been around, but they haven't gotten a lot of market acceptance or traction, although traction is not the right word because it sounds like the wheels are slipping. So the question is, what's going to be fueling or powering the car of the future? Are there going to be batteries in those cars, like we're seeing some real good market penetration now? Or are the benefits of fuel cells going to be better than batteries, and are we going to see a transition in a few years towards that? And there's lots of companies that are pushing the fuel cell concept. So this week, we're going to kind of talk about those choices. Now, as I mentioned, it's being driven by the auto companies. There was a big effort in California about 10 years ago for fuel cell cars, including a whole infrastructure that you need to get the hydrogen, which is the most common fuel, into those fuel cells. Now, Toyota recently announced plans to sell 700 of their new, smaller fuel cell vehicle. It's a Mirai car. They're going to have that out this year, 2015. And BMW has been demonstrating fuel cell cars at various clean energy shows over the past seven or eight years. Yeah, it's very cool. They got a big tank of hydrogen in there, and that's providing the fuel. So today we're going to talk about fuel cells, how they work, and how they're going to compare to a battery power car. So what goes into a basic fuel cell? As I mentioned, it's pretty much like a battery. The key difference is in a fuel cell, there's a fuel that you basically pour in or add to the fuel cell, and that fuel is consumed. Instead of usually within a battery, you have some kind of semi-solid material that's got a chemical reaction, you know, nickel cadmium or lithium ion or, or lead zinc, and those chemicals react and, and generate the current. But in a fuel cell, you're constantly pouring in or adding fuel that's consumed, and then that creates an electric current and power. So fuel cell, just like a battery, you've got an anode and a cathode, and those are the wires in there that are pulling the electricity out. You have an electrolyte, and the electrolyte basically is the fluid that goes between the anode and the cathode, and you've got a fuel. So in fuel cells, the most common fuel is hydrogen. Hydrogen is like probably the most common element in the universe. It's not necessarily easy to get, but it it turns out to be a very, very good clean burning fuel. The anode is a catalyst. And basically what that anode does in a fuel cell, you can just imagine a little cylinder and inside that cylinder, you've got an anode, you've got a cathode, you've got an electrolyte between the two. And then you've got the fuel hydrogen kind of bubbling through that electrolyte. So the fuel is the hydrogen. And the anode, the hydrogen, which is an H2 molecule, two hydrogen atoms stuck together, it breaks it down into two hydrogen ions and two electrons. And when it breaks down, you've got those ions going in one direction. You've got the electrons going in another. The electrons go through the wires, and that generates the electric current. Now, the cathode, the other side of the reaction, is another catalyst. And on the cathode, those two hydrogen-positive ions, H+, are combined with oxygen from the air. So you've got air flowing through there. You've got hydrogen. And then, basically, what do you do? You create water. You're actually creating water vapor, and then that just kind of goes out. So very, very clean. You take hydrogen 
and you add oxygen to it in this little chemical reaction, and you're generating water. Perfectly clean, great, no carbon emissions or anything. And it's very elegant, very, very nice, and it can be pretty high density in, in terms of power production. So that's it. And then you got the wires coming out, and you add a lot of these little fuel cells together, and then you can generate a lot of power. Each of these little hydrogen fuel cells, kind of like a little tiny battery, each of these little fuel cells generates about 0.7 volts. Now, those a little AA battery or you know even bigger batteries have lots and lots of these little tiny... A lot of these tiny little batteries have lithium-ion chemicals inside or carbon-zinc or it's just a variety of chemicals in there. They're producing about 1.4 or 1.5 volts, whereas a hydrogen fuel cell produces 0.7 volts. No big deal. You just have twice as many cells, but they're all stacked up together in order to create the higher voltages that pretty much everything we use is required to operate. So they're kind of just like batteries. Lots of little cells, add them together, and there you go. In an electric vehicle, believe it or not, sometimes you have 5,000 little tiny 1.5 volt lithium ion cells that are all wired together to provide the power. You do the same thing with hydrogen fuel cells. So the net result with a fuel cell is that you are um, adding hydrogen into this cell, you're generating electricity, and you're just pumping out. Oxygen goes in from the air, and then water vapor goes out perfectly clean, and it's almost perfect combustion. Now, there's lots of different electrolytes or things that are construction types for these fuel cells. And these different electrolytes, these different solutions, different membranes that are separating the anode and the cathode have different performance characteristics, different costs, different lifetimes, different power. And that's where a lot of the research is going into to find combinations of chemistries in terms of the anode, the cathode, the membrane, and the electrolyte that is going to give you something that's going to last a long time, a lot of power, and be inexpensive. And the expense is kind of at the end of the day what's really, really important. But what I really like about fuel cells they're just very elegant. It's like electrolysis. Electrolysis is when you separate water into hydrogen and oxygen. It's electrolysis in reverse. It's just, you know, kind of a perfect chemical reaction. However, the efficiency of a fuel cell reaction is only about 50%. And we define efficiency based on the amount of usable electricity that comes through these wires compared to the heat that's generated. So when you've got this reaction going on, about half of the energy in the reaction turns into electric current. That's what we want. And about the other half of the reaction turns into heat. Can't do anything with it. Now, I'm just going to just throw out a comparison there with solar panels. Typical efficiency of a solar panel, when you look at the energy that hits a solar panel, it's, solar panels are in the range of, you know, 15 16, 17% efficient. That means that only like 16 or 17% of the solar energy that hits the solar panel turns into electricity. What happens to the rest? The solar panel heats up. It's just waste heat. We kind of, in the engineering world, look at these efficiencies. Now, when although the fuel cell efficiency is about 50%, that's the efficiency of the cell itself, the efficiency of a system is down to about 20% when you consider how you get that hydrogen into the fuel cell itself. So that hydrogen needs to be processed, it needs to be compressed, it needs to be transported, it needs to be stored. When it's decompressed out of the tank, you also lose energy. So there's a lot of loss there. Now, the nice thing is in a fuel cell, if it's, you know, a lot of times they have these stationary fuel cells, you can sometimes recapture some of that waste heat. Theoretically, 
50% turns into electricity, 50% is heat. Maybe you can use that heat to heat water or to heat a building or in a car, you might be able to use that heat you know, on a cold day to heat up the cabin of the car. So some of it can be recovered and used. It's usually tricky to do that. We just want to use the electricity because there's, there's no loss there. We can do anything we want with it. But we're always looking for ways to kind of pick up some of the scraps, the crumbs, and use some of that excess energy. Now, with fuel cells, there's a bunch of questions that we have to resolve. One question is, where do we get the hydrogen? Because that's the fuel. And if you can't get the hydrogen, then these fuel cells really aren't going to really take off. So right now, in our economy, in our industry, we get 95% of the hydrogen that's used for industrial processes, which is also potentially usable for fuel cells. 95% comes from reforming natural gas. So natural gas comes out of the ground. We combine that natural gas with really high temperature, high pressure steam. And when that's combined, the, the, uh, the high temperature, high pressure steam breaks down the natural gas, you get CO2 from the natural gas, so the carbon's coming from the, the natural gas, and then you also get pure hydrogen. So some of that pure hydrogen comes off, and then you're able to separate the CO2 from the hydrogen, and then we're basically getting pure hydrogen. That's what we want. So, But the reality is fuel cells are basically using natural gas as a fuel, and they're emitting CO2. That's the same problem as if you burn the natural gas. So it's not a very clean process as far as where we're getting that hydrogen from right now. That could possibly change. The other thing you have to remember is these are pretty big industrial plants that are needed to reform the natural gas. So you've got to create these plants, build these plants, and then once you have the plants in place, the next problem is how do you get that natural gas to where you're going to fill up your vehicle. It's called the distribution problem. So we have a great distribution system for gasoline in the country. We've got pipes that are going from refineries to distribution centers, and then we've got these big tanker trucks, and the tanker trucks bring it to the, the filling stations, pour it into tanks in the ground, and then you pump it out at the service station. That works out pretty well. We've been building that infrastructure for 100 years. But you can't easily move that hydrogen around in, in tanker trucks. So the way it has to be done is we would compress the hydrogen at these central plants and then send it in pipelines to filling stations. Now, we already have kind of a nice infrastructure for natural gas. Almost every house, almost every building has natural gas from their utility, and that's what we're using to heat water and heat the houses. You would probably need to build an analogous distribution infrastructure for hydrogen. You can't use the same pipelines because because you're mixing the hydrogen and the natural gas together. That's not going to work. So there's a lot of need to build this infrastructure. What's happened so far, at least here in California, because of the efforts to do some experiments with these fuel cell vehicles, obviously the automakers are making the vehicles, but then the people driving them have to find a way to fill them up. So they have built about 10 hydrogen filling stations around California. There's 10 of them. And basically, it's like a gas station, but you can pull up and fill up your tank with hydrogen. It's only 10, so you got to watch out your range. We are starting to also build those for natural gas. The nice thing about the filling stations for natural gas, and there's a lot of vehicles that are being powered with natural gas now, is we can leverage the existing distribution infrastructure that we already have for natural gas going into buildings. So you just run some pipes over to a service station. Heck, the service station probably already has some gas piping or you just add a bigger gas pipe and you're able to fill it up. But with hydrogen, you need to create an entirely new distribution network. 
The third problem is the vehicles. We have very, very few. There's only two automakers that have been demonstrating hydrogen vehicles. So it's going to take a while for those vehicles to get out there. And then it's also a chicken and the egg problem that you got to have enough distribution infrastructure and filling stations in order to make it practical for people to buy the vehicles. So let's look at what these fuel cell vehicles are. Well, when I kind of dug into it and looked at what was under the hood or under the chassis of a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle, it's basically an EV. It's basically an electric vehicle. They've got batteries in there with a fuel cell and a high-pressure hydrogen tank. And as I mentioned, Toyota's going to start selling their Mirai vehicle in California this year. And that's their experiment. They're going to sell, I don't know, five or 600 of them, and the people are going to experiment. And they're going to have some local filling stations, and it's going to be kind of cool, and they're going to see how that works out. And then they'll learn from it and either go ahead or not. The challenge with hydrogen, it's got a very low energy density. The hydrogen just basically floats away. It's so light. So in order to get enough energy into a car in the trunk or under the hood of the car, you've got to compress the heck out of that hydrogen. So it's a very high-pressure hydrogen tank. The tank in the Toyota Mirai vehicle is running at 10,000 pounds per square inch. I mean, that's a really high pressure. That way you can kind of get that tank down to something that might be comparable to, let's say, a 10-gallon tank of gas. You know, my, my car has a 9.3-gallon tank in it. Bigger cars might have a 20-gallon tank. But that'll get it down into something that's pretty small. The next thing is you've got the fuel cells itself, right? That's the heart of a fuel cell vehicle. The fuel cells themselves, not a lot different than, than batteries. So um, that doesn't take up an incredible amount of room. So the addition that goes into a fuel cell vehicle beyond what you have in an EV is you have a bunch of fuel cells and you have one of these high-pressure hydrogen tanks. You also have batteries, and the reason why you have batteries is that the fuel cells don't, like, they can't produce a lot of power at once and scale back, a lot of power, scale back. You know, when you put your foot on the gas, you want all that power right away. You don't get that quickly out of a fuel cell. So what they have is they have batteries that kind of buffer that power, that allow you to say, all right, you floor it, you want to merge into traffic, you're going to pull power out of the fuel cell, but you're going to pull even more power out of the battery to accelerate. And then when you take your foot off the gas, the fuel cell is going to do a little mini recharge of the battery. So at the end of the day, a fuel cell vehicle is basically a more complicated electric vehicle. More complicated means it's more expensive. Now, big advantage with a fuel cell vehicle is you can fill up the hydrogen tank a lot faster than you can charge up the battery. So, uh, you know, when I charge up my EV at home with a level two charger, it might take me five or six hours. You can fill up a fuel cell hydrogen tank in like five minutes. You know, not very different than how long it takes to fill up a natural gas vehicle. You just got some high pressure gas, high pressure tank. It fills the things up pretty quickly. So that's the big advantage plus the theoretical advantage of possibly more efficiency. But we'll kind of get to that. So the next question is, what's more efficient, a fuel cell vehicle or a battery vehicle, or a gasoline vehicle, or a natural gas vehicle. Well, it depends on how you define efficiency. And, you know, I kind of look at the simplistic definition of efficiency is usable workout divided by the energy that goes in. So if you just look at the hydrogen itself, the hydrogen fuel cell is more efficient than a gasoline car. It's more efficient than a natural gas car because the hydrogen burns cleanly and perfectly. Yes, you've got a, a 50% efficiency of the hydrogen, but you have no emissions and, and everything You know, is pretty good. The dilemma is that we're getting all the hydrogen now, 95%, from natural gas. 
So you're really burning natural gas. And at the end of the day, when you kind of look at the round-trip efficiency and the round-trip emissions, you might as well just use the natural gas in the vehicle rather than reform the natural gas into hydrogen, distribute it, sell it at the filling station, use it in your car. So I kind of look at the efficiency and the emissions, and from an overall perspective, the efficiency and the emissions from a fuel cell vehicle burning hydrogen, hydrogen's coming from natural gas, is about the same as if we just burn the natural gas in the cars. And quite frankly, it's a lot simpler just to burn the natural gas, and we already have the distribution for that. So there's kind of a, a big challenge with fuel cells, and we'll come back to that. But what if we were to produce the hydrogen from water using the electrolysis process? Then it's zero emissions. So if we had the ability, and we do, it's theoretically possible, we could basically use cheap solar or wind power electricity and then separate the hydrogen and oxygen in water, capture the hydrogen, oxygen goes into the air, we could always use that, and then capture the hydrogen, we use that in fuel cells. That would be really clean. We're not touching a carbon atom the whole way. It's no, no CO2 emissions, perfect, it's great. Now, there are losses when you split hydrogen and oxygen out of water. So you've got some losses in electrolysis, and then you've got the 50% losses when you're burning hydrogen in a fuel cell. But it's pretty good, pretty clean, very elegant. But here's the big challenge, and this is where one technology bumps into another. We might as well take that electricity from solar and wind and just store that in batteries directly or transmit that electricity to a home or business charging station and use that to fuel our cars. So rather than this kind of complicated round-trip process of using solar electricity, splitting out the hydrogen, and then distributing the hydrogen to a fuel cell vehicle or a stationary fuel cell, and then burning that hydrogen in a fuel cell, we might as well just save the electricity. Once again, it boils down to the efficiency and the costs. Because remember, the hydrogen in the tank is basically just stored energy. It's like gasoline. It's like natural gas. It's like a car full of batteries that are fully charged up. You're just kind of storing it. So now let's do a comparison of these three key challenges where you're getting the energy from compared to alternatives, distribution, and cost of the vehicles. Well, when you look at the source of the energy for a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle versus the source of energy for a battery vehicle, the hydrogen is coming from natural gas. It's going to be years and years before we have the infrastructure and enough generating capacity to generate all that hydrogen from a clean, renewable fuel and splitting water. So the fact of the matter is foreseeable future, hydrogen's 95% going to come from natural gas. It's not clean. It's not cheap. And it's going to be very expensive. Whereas the electricity we're using in our battery cars, hey, right now, it's coming from natural gas, it's coming from coal, but more and more, it's coming from renewables. And when we're using renewables as the source for the electricity for batteries, it's clean and it's cheap and it's already happening. I mean, heck, people have solar panels on the roof. Those solar panels are charging up their car during the day. We have it at our office. Our solar panels are charging up the vehicles during the day, also meeting some of the needs of the building. Perfectly clean and inexpensive, which is great. So on that basis, in terms of the source of energy, battery vehicles work out better. Now, let's talk about the next challenge, distribution of energy. Well, we talked about hydrogen fuel cells. You've got to get that hydrogen from the central plant through 
new pipelines that don't exist yet into filling stations. And that's a tremendously expensive infrastructure that needs to be built out. You know, we've got 10 and we'll need 100,000 in order to really make it feasible for people to fill up their hydrogen vehicle anywhere they're going to be driving. That's going to take 25 years if we started now. On the other hand, for battery-powered vehicles, we already have filling stations everywhere. It's called your local utility, and the utilities are dying to get into the business of providing electricity for transportation for vehicles. We already have wind turbines and solar panels kind of going up all over the country, and that's generating that electricity. And as I mentioned, that's more efficient. So we've already got the electric grid, and we've already got these electric filling stations. You know, lots of companies are providing independent charging stations. Utilities are getting into it. You can go and put in a charging system for your home for, you know, a little over $1,000. So that's there. It's a reality. So on that basis, you know, in my mind, the, the battery vehicles, electric vehicles, once again, are superior to fuel cells. All right. So now let's look at the third challenge, the cost of the vehicle itself. Well, when I looked under the hood of a fuel cell vehicle, it's basically the same as a battery-powered electric vehicle plus the added fuel cell, so you've got some equipment there, plus a hydrogen tank. So that's going to make that car more expensive than a battery car. You're just adding a bunch of stuff. The good news about battery cars is they're continuing to get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Battery vehicles, in my experience, everybody else, since you don't have a gas engine or a diesel engine in there, they're lower maintenance. And the batteries themselves get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. We're on a a nice long-term cost reduction curve. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the price of batteries for cars continue to come down at the rate of, say, 5 or 10% every year for another 20 years. And that's going to make those batteries inexpensive. And fuel cells haven't even started on that long-term cost reduction plan. All right, so here's the trends. The batteries are getting cheaper and cheaper and better. The hydrogen fuel cells are way behind. The distribution and the production of hydrogen is the biggest impediments. And not to mention that since we're getting the hydrogen from natural gas, it's not a clean fuel. But so why is there all this interest and attention on fuel cell vehicles? So I kind of dug into it. It's like, who's in favor of fuel cell vehicles? Well, it's no surprise that it's the fossil fuel companies. It's the companies that are pumping natural gas because they're looking for more customers for their natural gas. Now, obviously, they are pushing to use natural gas as a direct fuel, but they're hedging their bets and saying, you know, hey, this also can be conceivably a clean fuel. You know, it is a clean fuel, but not if you get it from natural gas. So you've got the fossil fuel companies. You've got the pipeline companies, and you've you got the distribution companies, the filling stations, the companies that are you know, on almost every other corner in cities around the world that are pumping gas because they'd love to pump out that hydrogen. And they're also going to realize that they're not necessarily going to be the source of that electricity where you'd fill up your tank because people are fueling up their electric vehicles, not at filling stations, but they're filling them up at home or at work. So in conclusion, the big advantage of fuel cells, the one big advantage that I see is you can top off the tank. You can fill up the tank faster than with a battery vehicle right now. That may change, but right now it's pretty clear. You can just fill up your hydrogen tank in five minutes instead of an hour, even with a high-voltage charging station. The fossil fuel companies are pushing hard for fuel cell cars, but they're just not a really great energy storage source because of the round-trip inefficiency and because of the pollution. We'll need a couple of things. We'll need a breakthrough in lower-cost, higher-efficiency fuel cells, and then we'll also need 
a tremendous, tremendously expensive distribution system for the hydrogen that you need for those fuel cells. And I don't believe that that's going to happen. And you look at batteries, especially batteries that are powered by clean renewable fuels like solar and wind, it makes so much more sense from a pollution standpoint, from an infrastructure standpoint, because we've already got the infrastructure, from a vehicle cost standpoint, and from a cost standpoint, from a total cost standpoint, people love their electric vehicles. So my view, uh, fuel cells are interesting, intriguing, but battery vehicles are going to continue to be more and more common, and we're really not going to see fuel cells for many, many years, if ever. Well, that's all the time we've got on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts. (music) 